Hey, you guys, it is time for the roller coaster that is known as Rob's Revisions. I am Rob Liefeld. I am on this roller coaster with you. We talk comics. We talk pop culture. Um, all things comic books, all things pop culture, because that is what fuels me, what drives me, what I've been doing with my life for about 45 years. I, uh, Pulled my first comic book off the spinner rack when I was seven. It became a lifelong addiction for me and eventually a vocation. It became my career. It became what I did. I've been very fortunate. Uh, perhaps you've picked up one of my comic books, whether it was The New Mutants, it was Hawk and Dove, it was X-Force, it was Youngblood, it was Captain America, it was The Avengers, it was Cable, it was Deadpool, it was the Deadpool core. Right now I'm doing G.I. Joe, Snake Eyes, so... This is what I do. I love this. This is what I do. And we are going through the timeline. And uh, recently, Marvel has re-released yet another edition of a body of work that I did called Heroes Reborn. I did the Captain America and the Avengers installments. Jim Lee, my partner at Image Comics at the time, was recruited alongside me. He did the Fantastic Four. And he did Iron Man from his end. And together, all four books made this Heroes Reborn event, which was very controversial because it was the first time that Marvel Comics outsourced their creative uh, teams uh, from soup to nuts, uh, including our editorial capacity to uh, package, overlook, oversee these books to the West Coast, outside of their New York Manhattan offices, to, to, um, to former, you know, Superstars for them. We held the record for the best-selling comic books, which happened to be their Marvel comic books. One was X-Men, and the other was X-Force, which I created and stacked with all these wonderful characters you may have heard of. Domino, Deadpool, Cable, Shatterstar, Warpath, uh, you know, Strife, so many. Uh, we just loved doing comics. We loved doing comics for Marvel. We took that success. We went, we launched our own companies. Extreme Studios was my company. Wildstorm was Jim's company. We operated our labels underneath the banner of Image Comics, which we had helped found alongside a group of other uh, really talented artists, creators like ourselves. We launched that in 1992. In 1995, early 95, Marvel approached us uh, to come on board and to relaunch these former iconic titles for them, which had fallen on rough times. The sales were in the toilet. We've covered that. Uh, these books were in the 25000 to 30000 range, and they were selling very poorly, despite Marvel's efforts in New York to grab some last-ditch eyeballs because word had gotten out that they had pacted with Jim and myself in this uh, ridiculous, uh, from their point of view, from the editorial in New York, this ridiculous outsourcing, which I guess insulted them, given that they were basically being told, we don't believe in your capacity to turn these books around. We are going to another publisher. And whether it's Wildstorm Extreme or Image, those are all publishing entities. Image is the label. Extreme and Wildstorm are publishers in and of themselves. And so they came to us and they did this. And we were headed towards a September 1996 launch. We had a big press conference in Manhattan. Stan Lee showed up to give his blessing. The press was there. The buzz was going. Our... The, the, the fan press was all over this. We did uh, promotional posters and promotional comics and mail-away 
mail-in giveaways with Wizard Magazine, Fan Magazine, Hero Magazine, all of the different big fan magazines that were grabbing attention at the time. This was before the internet. There is no Twitter. There is no social media whatsoever. So this is just, uh, the internet is in its absolute infancy with, with message boards, with, uh, with message boards where people would start threads and maybe a few people would jump on. These were way before the capacity that we had to interact with each other online as we do now. So Jim and I are uh, doing Heroes Reborn, and that is what we have been walking through on Observations these last few episodes, and we're going to be here a while. Today's episode, uh, we're going to pick up where the books are launching. Uh, Captain America is out. It's doing fantastic. Fantastic Four is out. It's doing fantastic. Should be. It's called Fantastic, right? Fantastic Four. Iron Man is out. We're going to dwell on Iron Man and, and give it its due. Uh, coming up uh, with, with, with Wills Portacio at the helm, Scott Lobdell joining him. Scott had lived in both worlds. He was doing X-Men books at Marvel, and now he had jumped over to Heroes Reborn. I had uh, joined with Jeff Loeb, who uh, jumped on board after I just wasn't thrilled with um, the input I was getting on from Chuck Dixon from the pages that I had created for Captain America. As you guys uh, know, when I, uh, you know, I gave Jeff Loeb 52 pages to jump on board, we just clicked. Clicked like I have clicked with few people in my career. It was exciting. The book came out exactly as I intended. Uh, my Captain America, six issues, I really don't ever cross over with the rest of the Heroes Reborn universe. I just didn't have time. There was no, no, no space in between what I was trying to accomplish. This is the time where I discovered that I really just loved being an artist, a creator again. It's, it's what, it's what brought me to the dance. New Mutants, taking over New Mutants, creating X-Force, launching X-Force got me all the opportunities that I ever dreamed of. Uh, my art and my stories and my characters took me, uh, to just an, a level I never even imagined as a comic book guy. And it gave me the opportunity ultimately to open a studio. It's my greatest accomplishment that 60 plus people on site every day, a coloring department that had three shifts, morning, midday, and then the overnight shift. And people love that overnight shift. You got more money to work it. I mean, you literally came on at midnight, went home at six, but we were doing at Extreme Studios at this, this really what I, I feel is my greatest achievement. Um, you see Andy Park working on Marvel films. He's on Instagram. He's showing you all the design work he does, how he takes a Jack Kirby design and, and, and fastens it for the screen like he did with Gila in, uh, Thor Ragnarok or all the ways that he, he'll take a, you know, Jack Kirby design from Ant-Man and, and, and zhuzh it up, make it kind of more mechanically applicable to a live action screen, but very much still adhere to what Jack Kirby did. And he started at my studio, Extreme Studios. Uh, Jeff Matsuda became an award-winning animator on uh, The Batman. And Chap Yap went on to do Ben 10, which is a phenomenon. He was producing and directing shows that my six and eight-year-olds were freaking out over. Absolutely freaking out over uh, in the early 2000s. We had such a great time at Extreme Studios. Uh, Dan Frega went on to do animation, direct animation, do commercials. Marat Michaels went on and did many, many more comic books. He is uh, 
just ensconced in comic books as I am, loves comic books, makes comic books. Uh, our inking core went on to be like the greatest inking core in the history of comics. You got Danny Mickey, you got John Sabal, you got Norm Ratman. I mean, Larry Stucker only did like 10 years, but he did so much work at DC Comics, okay? With Young Justice, with Todd Knock, he inked me on cable. We just had a killer, killer um, inking core. Guys like Tim Townsend and Mark Morales were like in our bullpen. Um, but but we just had such an amazing inking core, uh, ridiculously talented guys that worked tirelessly to make sure the books were polished and looked as commercial as possible. And guys like John Saval and Danny Mickey and Norm Ratman could do such a great volume. So anyway, Extreme Studios, uh, we had just the very best time making comic books, and it is one of my proudest achievements. But as a label, if you if you can believe this, just to give you an idea, um, why uh, Marvel really was seeking us out. I'm going to take you back. There is a rankings, okay, from Capital City Comics, which was the rival to Diamond back in the day, in the 90s, for the biggest distribution distribution network. Half of the stores in America had an account with Capital. Half of them had it with Diamond. Some had both. Okay, I knew, I knew stores that had both. But they were, if you got Capital's numbers and you got Diamond numbers, you got all your numbers. Well, Capital City in October of 1994, I'm holding it in my hands, has a ranking that they printed in their catalog. You got the catalog. Um, every store got a Capital catalog and a Diamond catalog. The publishers would do different exclusives with both. So everybody carried both. And you as a consumer wanted to flip through both. It was great. They really played to the consumer after time, realizing that consumers wanted to buy these and take them home. They weren't just ordering catalogs. They could be like really great marketing um, catalogs, just like the Sears catalog. That I grew up with, and you wanted to look at it and order toys from it. You wanted to take these catalogs and flip through them and see which comic books and posters and toys were coming and which ones you wanted, and it really uh, just entertained your imagination and, and and got you psyched for what was coming in the months ahead. In Capital City Distribution Catalog, October 1994, they ranked the families in comics. The number one family in comics with 11.9 market share was the X Men. Not surprising, right? At this time in October 1994, the X-Men had 25 published titles. So you had X-Force, you had X-Factor, you had a couple X-Men books, you had Wolverine, okay, you had Cable, you had Generation X, um, and, and depending on if they were doing monthly, bi-monthly, bi-weekly, as we've told, that's how you rack up 25 titles in that family, okay? They had a Gene and Scott miniseries. I mean, again, there were so many spinoffs back in the day, right? Well, so that's the number one family. In comic book, in the comic book industry, the number two family, hold on to your hats, kids, Extreme Studios, with 13 titles, has 6% of the market. My studio, we produced 20 comics a month at our peak, but at this time when they ranked us, we're at 13 titles. 13 titles, those titles are Youngblood, Team Youngblood, Brigade, Bloodstrike, Prophet, uh, Supreme, Glory, okay, you New Men. We had 13 titles. I'm looking at it right now. We had 6% of the market. The third best-selling family of comic books is the Spider-Man family. They have 16 titles. 16 titles. That's the Clone Wars era. That's, that's, uh, you see, you got Spectacular Spider-Man. You, you, you got, 
Web of Spider-Man, you got Spider-Man, you got Amazing Spider-Man. The core alone just had four. Now, if they're shipping those bi-weekly, that's eight. Then they had all their different spinoffs, so they had 16. The Spider-Man family had 4.4% of the market. Guys, Extreme Studios had 6% of the market. We are number two behind the X-Men. I am looking at it. October 1994, the fifth best-selling family in comic was the Batman line. Ten books. I talk about it all the time. Batman did not used to rule the roost the way he did now, but here is where we are in 1994. The Batman line has 4.42. They are tied with the Spider-Man line. Both of them have 4.42% of the market. Spider-Man needs 16 books to get there. Batman needs 10. I needed 13 comics out of my studios. I'm going to load this up so you can see it uh, on the news and notes section when you listen to this podcast when it airs. Going down, Valiant Comics is number six. Wildstorm Studios is number seven. Okay? The Ultraverse, an entire line of books, 30 comics, is number nine. Okay, guys? So, Extreme Studios, we we had huge sellers. The Rob Liefeld name, the Rob Liefeld brand was clicking. We had a huge amount of uh, of sales, and we had a huge amount of of uh, of interest and and fans, and we were just clicking. We were having a good time. And that is why Marvel came. It says here what's happening this month, and it says right here on the sidebar next to the charts that you're, I'm going to put put up. It says this month we we've, we've added the different image studios for comparison. With a total of 13 bo- books, Rob Liefeld is. Uh, is Rob Liefeld's Extreme Studios taking a whopping 6% market share? Okay. Uh, Batman Family dropped slightly 10.42%. Uh, keep in mind, September's value was exceptionally high with a total of 11 books offered. Okay. So um, the X-Men Family, it says here, actually dropped 1.32% from September. Okay. Um, Generation X number two gives them almost 2%. So Generation X, again, was launched in this time. So Extreme Studios... We're at 6%, okay? I'm rounding up slightly, but we're at, we're at 6%. That's why Marvel came to us. That's why Marvel wanted to be in business with us. The reason I'm telling you this, and we, we got to do a deep dive into the numbers here, because this episode dwells a lot on the numbers, you guys. This is really important that we look into the numbers, because again, this, this is a business. I was rewarded by the numbers that I did in comics. It gave me a full studio with a coloring department. The, some of the best inkers ever to ink in comics. You have seen Danny Mickey ink Spawn. He's inked Daredevil. He's inked X-Men, Batman. What hasn't he inked? Norm Ratman, everything. Superman, Batman, the Titans, all of it. You know, John Sabal went, went from our books to inking Mike Turner on Fathom and, and, and all those great comics that, that, that came out of Mike's company. And, and then he went on to ink Andy Park on the X-Men and ink, you know, Marvel titles. Um, so, so my, my guys, uh, we just had the best time. It was so great. I, I created basically for me a comic book clubhouse. That's what I was comfortable doing. That's what I had fun doing. I didn't really like the business part of it. And so doing Captain America and just focusing on that 200 pages was enough to just uh, reawaken in me that, man, this is what I want to do. I just want to create comics, man. That's that's what it's all about. That's what I love. That's my passion. I'm glad I created this clubhouse. I'm glad that it, you know, we had 60 people on site. We we employed more people through the mail, letters, colorists, okay, uh, pencilers, writers. You know, not everybody was on site, but the majority, I'd say 70% of our people that made the comics that you held were in our 
under one roof. And that is the reward for New Mutants and X-Force. That's what I was able to provide. And, and again, I took care of my guys. Danny Mickey, $300 a page. When 125 150 was top rate. $300 a page. And Danny could do three to four pages a day. Danny made a great living. Norm Ratman, these guys, I paid them well. I'm proud to tell you that. It's something that I want to be remembered for how generous I was. Because I did not want to pinch pennies. I did not want to, uh, you know, have slave wages. I could have made a lot more money had I just said, hey, this is your first opportunity. You haven't earned it, like was told to me from Mike Carlin. But the reverse psychology of all of that was I was super generous. I love being being super generous. So Avengers comes out the same, you know, month that Captain America is reborn. Because Avengers is, you know, part of the deal. I got to relaunch Avengers. It's not just Captain America. And I contribute to half the artwork, half the art load on Avengers. I come back for issue four. Okay, I'm 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 sticking with this title. I want to contribute. Uh well, guess what? A a blog or a website, it's actually a website called Comicron, C-O-M-I-C-H-R-O-N, Comicron.com, uh, is the Nate Silver's, you know, 578, what is that, Nate Silver, whatever, whatever Nate Silver, the site where he does all his analytics. He is the analytics guy, okay? He started doing sports and then got really into politics, and politics gave him his, um, his, his big giant platform so of course it's it's 538 because it became his analytics site where he now crunches poll numbers and data and the whole industry looks you know to nate silver and 538 well john jackson miller and his comic cron are the comic book industry's uh version of nate Sil silver and 538 and he crunches the numbers and he posted a few years back what is the best-selling issue of the avengers now mind you um in the 2000s, to get Avengers sexed up and to make it, you know, more appealing, they went all in and put Spider-Man and Wolverine in the team. They're like, it's Cap, it's Iron Man, it's Scarlet Witch, and Wolverine, and, and Spider-Man. Marvel's two franchise flagship characters, never Avengers again, now in the Avengers book to make sure that you buy it, to make sure that it becomes the top seller, because the film rights to the Avengers and those Avengers families is all they have left. The X-Men and Fantastic Four and Silver Surfer and Daredevil are at Fox. Spider-Man is at Sony. New Line has Blade. Okay, this has all been divvied up. They have the Avengers family. They need the Avengers family to go up in sales and to be zhuzhed up so that the investors that they're looking to talk to, who they want to get their, you know, raise their financing to make some movies on their own, which is going to give us Robert Downey Jr. and Iron Man, going to give us Ed Norton, those 2008 movies that all that financing is raised on the fact that they got to go and show, hey, people, this is our top book. Yeah, Fox and Sony may have these other properties, but you have no idea the history behind the Avengers and how successful this is. So I thought for sure that's going to get the top spot, right? I mean, they put Wolverine and Spider-Man in the Avengers. I didn't think the Heroes Reborn would have the record. Heroes Reborn, John Jackson Miller says, what's the best issue, selling issue of the Avengers? The peak seller in the 1980s, uh, according to archival records, is November 1985's 261. It had a sales of 277,000, part of the Secret Wars 2 crossover. If you've been here, we talked about Secret Wars. It was the birth of the crossover. Tie-in comics were blowing up. That is the uh, bestseller in the, in the 80s. Okay, then they say the Spider-Man, Wolverine, you know, New Avengers. See, that's there's, hey, everybody, Wolverine, Spider-Man are Avengers now. You know, that was the whole marketing behind this new Avengers line. It had 241 orders, okay? 241,000 orders, okay? In 2004 through 2005, 241 orders. And he says, but 
the relaunched Avengers Volume 2, Number 1, 1996 Heroes Reborn had orders of 276,734,000. 35,000 better than the Spider-Man Wolverine in the 2000s. 276, and that book had a ton of variants. This book had two covers. 276,734. Rob, why are you telling me the numbers? Oh, the numbers are going to become what this is all about very soon because Heroes Reborn is going to go into a very weird and interesting place. And when you're done with this episode, you're going to be like, I did not know this. This is crazy. You are not ready for the crazy that is coming your way. All right. So then he says the 276,734 copies do not include the newsstand and subscription numbers, which will take this number well into the 300,000s. And he says, barring a much higher issue from 1963, this Avengers Heroes Reborn issue is the top seller. Okay? This is the best-selling Avengers ever. So, Heroes Reborn, they hired us to reboot the books. Get these books. Make them, com make them commercial again. Get eyeballs. Have people like the Avengers the way they like X-Men and Spider-Man. That is the mission. That is what we are trying to do here. So I put everything I could into this. Like I said, I made sure I was artistically engaged. I did the covers. I did 20 plus pages in our double-sized Avengers number one. Boom, bam. Over 300,000. From 30,000 to 300,000. You make the call. They couldn't beat it by putting Wolverine and Spider-Man and Zhijing this franchise up in a way that it had never been judged up before. Okay, that's... And Dave Finch, I think, is drawing that. I mean, this is this is commercial. Okay, we outsold it, especially if we get into well into the 3,000s. We're probably 40,000 plus between us and the nearest. Interesting thing is after this was printed, they relaunched the X-Men again. I mean, the Avengers again called it Uncanny, which has always been tied to the X-Men, Uncanny X-Men, Uncanny X-Men. That's the only time Uncanny has been in a Marvel title. They made it Uncanny Avengers, and they put more X-Men in the Avengers. They got their big creative team. I know that John Cassidy was the artist, and it didn't come. I thought, this is the one, because now it's coming out during the Avengers movie. Like, this is the one. The, the Avengers is making a billion dollars, but Uncanny Avengers does not even dent where we are at. It doesn't even go higher than this Wolverine Spider-Man one. Again, well into the 300,000s, we are the number one best-selling Avengers of all time. Did we do our job? I believe we did. We, I took it seriously. I was passionate. We moved the needle. You know, at, at, at 300,000 copies of Avengers number one, okay? And with the, the, um, the, the sales price on that issue, I think I've covered this in, in the past, with that book, you know, being like two bucks, you know, whatever it was, um, you know, maybe more because it was, it was, uh, it was a double sized issue. Okay. Um, with that book, uh, at that price point. Okay. Then, then we are looking at, uh, you know, sales of a, of a yield, um, on just one issue. As I've covered this in the past, you know, you go, you go, you go 300,000 and, and then you, you, you times that by two bucks. I mean, that issue alone made $600,000, okay? Okay, so, so and then skim off the top, give the profits. You know, if every, if Fantastic Four, Avengers, Captain America, and Iron Man all are doing in this same vicinity, Marvel's making millions that first month, okay? That millions that they put out is already coming back to them. 
and they've now got 11 more issues of each. And uh, things look rosy. Heroes Reborn has worked. I am doing store signings on the East Coast, not just in Mile High Comics in my own backyard. I am going around. I am feeling the love. I'm feeling the juice. But something's happened. And here we are at, at where the, the, the fork in the road comes. Okay? The guys that hired us, the guys that hired us to do Heroes Reborn, uh, my good buddy, Jerry Calabrese, he is removed. He's removed. Whatever's going on, We've been in business with him for almost two years. He's been the guy that called us up, that got us on the line, that, that, that put his weight behind doing the contracts. He is removed. He is gone. And we are notified that Jerry is moving on. Now, Joe King, Joe King, who came from TNT, he is staying on still in his executive capacity under Ron Perlman to oversee kind of the nuts and bolts of what's going on. I don't know if he's the guy that gave Jerry his papers. But Joe showed up and Joe said, yeah, Jerry's no longer going to be with us, but we continue, we want to continue to work with you and we're going to be installing a brand new publisher. And uh, Jerry was a guy who, you know, at best, whenever I saw him, he wore an Izod shirt, he wore a polo shirt, okay? Jeans, slacks, just always at his case. Uh, really creative guy. I had a creative mind. I really clicked with him. I liked him. I enjoyed him. He was fun to work with and without him, none of this comes to pass. They... Re -in they, they install a new publisher. I have no idea where he came from, but he um, is, a, is a gentleman by the name of Cheryl Rhodes. When they first asked, I said, Cheryl? And they said, Cheryl, S-H-I-R-Y-L-L -L or, or something along those lines. Okay, Cheryl. Cheryl Rhodes is the new publisher and he does not give off the same vibes as Jerry. Now, I covered multiple times here that the entirety of the New York offices are rooting for us to fail, okay? Now, while this is all happening, I am experiencing a divorce with my buddies at Image Comics. I had been taking my comics out of my Image label and putting them into a new label that I had owned that had been publishing comics for about two years called Maximum Press. Maximum Press was launched with a book called Evangeline that quickly became my best-selling title of my, all my titles. Extreme was the studios that we published, that we produced everything from Evangeline to Glory. Glory was put out through Image. Evangeline was put out through Maximum Press. Battlestar Galactica, I got the license. I did that through Maximum Press. I did a fantasy book called War Child. I put that out through Maximum Press. Maximum Press books were getting buzz, right? So... I had grown tired, I think I've covered this before, of some of the, um, image was just not fun to me. The scolder-in-chief was always scolding, and uh, Mr. McFarlane was always reminding us how better we could be. And then I'm reminded of that list I just gave you, where I am 6% of the market with 13 titles. And they say, that, you know, Rob Liefeld's Image Studio. Now here's what you don't know about the Image Comics deal, is every comic paid $2,000 into the, the studio into image. That's how image paid a publisher, paid a marketing guy, paid a sales manager, paid a secretary, pay, paid a, uh, uh, paid a public, uh, a publishing printing liaison. Okay. We had, we had a staff, but that staff had to be paid for. Well, whether your book sold a million or sold a thousand, you, if you produced it, if it sold 10,000 or a hundred thousand, you paid 2000. Now it could have been 2,500. That makes the story even better, but I'm going to go low and, and remember it is 2000 a book. 2000 a book was paid in. 
So if I'm doing 13, you know, 13 books, you know, I, I am giving them roughly $30,000. If it's 2,500, 2,000 around then, if I'm doing, when I get up to 20 books and I do, I am, you know, giving them 40,000 a month. That's just for me. Now, Tom McFarlane is doing two books and so he's giving them 4,000. I'm doing 20 books, giving them 40,000. This is, this is where it's at. That list I showed you is from 1994. We would add onto that list. Like I said, at one point, I was so proud that we were doing 20 books a month. We had five books a week going out our door. And so I had decided I wanted to experiment and put my original image launch titles into Maximum Press. Youngblood Supreme, I put them in the catalog. To get them in a catalog, you have to plan for this. If the catalog is going out for November, it's arriving in your stores in August. In order for it to get there, those catalog solicitations, the artwork, the covers, the pricing all has to be done in late June, early July. So we have submitted and we are in the August catalog, okay, for November product that arrives in stores in August, okay? And uh, that that material has to be prepared well in advance, well in advance. I had put my books in Maximum Press, no longer an image. I, I had left a few books behind an image, but I was, uh, we had already downsized, by the way. I talked to Eric Stevenson, who you have seen his name in a gazillion image comics for the past, you know, 16 years, 14 years, 14 years as publisher. He's been a partner in Image for many years now. Eric is one of my favorite people in the history of the comic book world. He worked with me for five, six years, give or take. We made some great comics. We had some great time. He scripted my Youngblood. As Jeff Loeb is scripting my Captain America, he did my Youngblood. It was a great time. Um, he and Matt Hawkins, who has been running Top Cow for 20 years now, Matt Hawkins, they both started Extreme with me. We had a great time. We had the very best of times together. So much fun. So much fun. And uh, he and Matt and I would get all this material together and we would give it into, you would send it to the central office to Image and then Image would send that off to Diamond. And then they would begin collating it for the catalog that arrives in your hands, in your store, so that you can take home. It arrives in August for November product. So these are all very key dates because you cannot... Go back in time and change these dates. And what I've always had behind me and for me are the dates. The dates cannot and will not be moved because uh, you just, you can't, unless you're a time traveler, unless you're Bill and Ted and you got the, uh, you know, you got the magic phone booth, it's, it's not coming back to you. You're not going to realign what has been aligned. Okay. So the dates and the receipts, as we call them nowadays, those aren't changing anytime soon. So I get a letter on August 6 in 1996, okay? Because, uh-oh, uh-oh, this has now gone around. Image having gotten the catalog materials out for November are flipping out, word's gone out, and I get a letter dated August 6. It's on Image Stationery. It's to Rob Liefeld. My Extreme Studios is 2248 North State College Boulevard, Fullerton, California, 92631. All right? And it is, uh, let me read it to you. Dear, <clears throat> let me try this, guys. Let me get, <clears throat> I got to get, I got to get this uh, revved up here. Dear Rob, on behalf of the board, 
I'm passing on the following information. Because you have pulled the extreme titles from Image Comics November solicitations and were unwilling to go on record and state whether or not this is temporary or a permanent measure, we have unanimously decided to reassign the gem of the month and the cover of the November previews to books from another studio. If you have any questions about this, I urge you to contact me or any other members of the Image Comics board. Sincerely, T.M. McFarland, Todd McFarland, Presidente. Not Presidente, it just sounds like Presidente, all right? So, I get this. I have this. I can show this to you. This is, this is dated. This is from Image Comics. It's been sent to me. That is a threat, my friends. That is an out-and-out -out threat. That is a upset partner because my books are leaving. My books are no longer at this time at Image Comics. I have exited the vicinity. I have put Youngblood and Supreme into Maximum Press, not Image Comics, and this is causing a stir. So you have to understand, is that a guy who is leaving or has left? Yes, it is. I had moved this and I was not convinced to stay. And I was given all sorts of manner of threats on the phone. And then I got this letter threatening me. Needless to say, I will not put my books back. I refuse and uh, inform my former partners that I will be leaving Image Comics. Following my books being in a catalog, telling them I'm leaving, I'm informing them I'm leaving. And this sets off a chain of events that is coalescing with the arrival of Heroes Reborn. Now, Rob Liefeld is smiling at all this because this could not have come at, the, at a more interesting time. Okay? So all the tensions build up for years. My resignation letter handed to Larry Martyr, our, our, our publisher, and I love Larry, and he had begged me for years, don't leave, Rob, don't leave. Why? Because you pay $40,000 into the central office. Todd only pays $4,000 into the central office. You pay, he, he, he said, you and Jim Lee pay for all of this. You pay for all of this. You guys produce the, 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 the titles, the volume of titles that kicks money into Image Comics that keeps Image Comics going. So not only had I downsized from my Anaheim Studios, our lease was up and we got, this is what I was telling, talking to Eric Stevenson, we got the, what he told me the other day was his favorite offices that we had. And they were my favorite offices too. They were more like a extended bunch of cottages. It was so great. We were on the hill in Fullerton. We lucked into the best space. We just relocated everybody from the um, Extreme Studios. And I'll tell you why uh, the Extreme Studios in Anaheim, the reason people at Extreme Studios in Anaheim weren't thrilled, we, we, we were thrilled to leave was you, you've seen some of my guys, okay? My guys that I, I worked with, uh, Norm Ratman, Danny Mickey, they had hair down to their butts. They were rockers. They wore rock and roll clothes, tank tops, ripped shirts, the, the, the leather bracelets with spikes. My guys were rockers or they were punks or they were grunge. We were at the nicest corporate offices in Anaheim and they still are the nicest corporate offices in Anaheim. They are situated again right next to Anaheim Stadium and people, you could see people visibly get upset. All of the middle-aged people would get upset when we got into the elevators because <gasps> who are these crazy hippie artists, okay? But we had a blast here. We stayed there for about three years. We downsized. We went to, we went to Fullerton. We got these we got a better rent situation because you guys, the industry was changing. 
Why do you think Marvel's coming to us? The industry was changing. I had already made the change. We are in these new offices in 1995, okay? And we will be there for the lease through 97. And uh, we had, these are Eric Stevenson, publisher of Image Comics, partner of Image Comics, his favorite studios, favorite offices that we had. But we had been smart. We had downsized. Jim Lee had offices, gorgeous, right next to the bluffs in La Jolla. This is some primo real estate with some primo views, with some primo, I mean, outlets, restaurants. They are on the main drag in the swankiest part of La Jolla. Okay. These are much more expensive offices. This will come into play. You need to know this. The reason uh, I never set up big offices in Los Angeles, I was tempted. I realized very soon when I went to see Steven Spielberg, I went to Steven Spielberg's house, as I did on a number of times in the Palisades, or I would go to his office in Universal. I would go to Will Smith's house. Will Smith had a back nine, an entire back nine that his house had, that was just his. So if you wanted to go sh play golf, back nine with, uh, with, with Will Smith, he had it, okay? I would go to their houses. They're, ne they're never coming to my house. They're never coming to my office. You go to these titans of the entertainment industry. I figured that out a long time ago. And once the lease was up at Extreme and looking towards being a more fiscally responsible studio, I wanted to still pay my guys great. And they were up until when we turned the lights off. But we had downsized to make our rent go further. And it's so great that so many people have so many great memories. It's not just Eric. I told Eric it was mine too. My favorite as well. And this is where Heroes Reborn went down. This is where the image divorce happens. I do not comply. I do not work with the, 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 the guys to restore my books. I am leaving. I have this killer Marvel contract. But I know that things are getting fishy. And my entire intent is tell the story I want to tell in Captain America. More than anything, get my Captain America story out. I have to, I have to do every issue, no fill-ins. I've got to get those six chapters in solid, tight. I got to entertain. I got to, I got to deliver on my end of the contract. I took that very seriously. So I did. And at this time, as I'm producing this, the entire image divorce unravels. I'm actually driving to Jeff Loeb's house. He has got a beach house for the weekend with his family in the summer of 96. And we get along like a house on fire. Jeff, Jeff and I, I think everybody loves Jeff. He is so charismatic and fun. And so, you know, we got Captain America. It's about to come out. We've already into the first issue. We're into the second issue. Um, he's jumping on Avengers now because of, you know, things with Valentino get weird because of the image stuff. So I have to kind of um, remove him from that title. Again, the contracts are with me. I get to pick and choose the creative team. So I am on the, the, the road and I even walk into Jeff's beach house late on a like Friday, Thursday afternoon when the image guys are all yelling at me on a group conference call and I will not budge, I will not bring my books back and they get very frustrated with me. The call dropped and when I went to get back on, I was not welcomed back in and I just laughed about it with Jeff. I said, yeah, I think my time with these guys is, is over. It's over. Um, so then I was told that I was going to be uh, angering the image guys and 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 because I'm leaving, my uh, my attorney that I had hired to broker with the image attorney who I had hired. I had hired the image comics general counsel. Okay. I had hired him. So I went and got a rival attorney in Irvine to represent me in all my dealings. Well, it was time to get that guy involved because there's money involved here. There's money involved. And if you're going to extract yourself from a business, you want to make sure that your money is taken care of. So 
my attorney meets with their attorney, then their attorney says they want to meet with my attorney, all the guys. And I said, I'm, I'm kind of just going to speak through my um, counsel at this time. I'm, I'm kind of done. I've already, my books are in the catalog. They're going through Maximum Press. You can't stop it. I will not um, untether them and bring them back. This is part of a an exit strategy that I've had. They are very angry. Todd, uh, my, my attorney had never met Todd McFarlane. And my attorney said, wow, that Todd guy. He stood up and said, we will not let Rob Liefeld leave Image Comics. We will not let him, even though the books were already gone. And they said, we will not let him walk away. We were not going to let him walk away without consequences. What that means is we're not going to make it clean. We're not going to make it pretty. We're going to make it ugly. We're going to muck it up. I was up for the fight, guys. I'm still here today. I was up for the fight. At no point when we are talking about comics should this upset you. It's just comic books. It's just publishing. It's just business. It upset them a great deal. It did not upset me because, again, I am taking my power back. I am taking my power back. I, When I started with New Mutants and X-Force, I'm feeling again all over. I had launched Youngblood and Brigade and Bloodstrike and all this. And now with Heroes Reborn, I've got this great opportunity, this killer deal. But suddenly I am at odds. I am understanding very much that Jim Lee is my partner in this Heroes Reborn thing, but we are about to not be partners in Image. So during all of this, I feel like they want to agitate me as much as possible to throw me off my game. And let me tell you, as we have covered here, Captain America 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, all shipped on time. They arrived in the first week of the month that they were supposed to be. Otherwise, I'd be penalized. Those books showed up. They showed up for you. As I said, I didn't just do Captain America in the first month. I did Captain America and half of the Avengers. I then did Captain America issue 4 and half of uh, Hulk number 4 and 5. I mean, I, I'm into this. I am so into this. I would not be uh, the agitation that's meant to take away my attention. It's not going to happen. I hire lawyers. I have other people to take care of this. Heroes are born. This is legacy. This is legacy moves. I am involved. And 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 now I am being told that there's a new publisher, Cheryl Rhodes. Cheryl Rhodes. Well, it's uh, come to my understanding that Marvel is doing very poorly. As we have told, they bought a trading card company. They bought a sticker company. They bought a toy company. They bought a distribution company. They have a uh, uh, an animation division. You guys, when you take on other companies and you just don't take on their debt, you take on their payroll. Uh, unless you cut everybody. You're, you know, if you're going to buy a sticker company, you better you know keep all the people who make the stickers and design the stickers. And same with the trading cards. And uh, there's guys in the trading card business with Fleer and Skybox, who are working with Marvel, named Dan Buckley and Bill Jemis. You're going to hear those names again. Dan Buckley and Bill Jemis. I'm just doing my thing. I'm doing my story. Cheryl Rhodes enters the picture. And uh, so does a guy named Scott Sassa. He is the new Uber boss. He is going to replace Joe King. He is going to come in. He is going to call all the shots. He also comes from the Turner Broadcast Network. He comes from TNT. Ron Perlman loved everybody from the Turner Broadcast Network. He loved these people. He would welcome them in one after the other. It began to be a revolving door. I am scheduled to meet with Scott Sassa, I am told. Can I meet with him uh, whatever weekend in 1996? I remember it very well because it is the day that USC is playing US UCLA in the rivalry game. At the Rose Bowl, this is a UCLA home game. My wife's two sisters attended UCLA. We were UCLA. We were Bruin fans. 
And uh, I remember that day very much because UCLA and USC go to triple overtime. That is a triple overtime game. UCLA wins it. It's probably why I have such great feelings about it. We were doing selfies with regular cameras back then. We're just screaming. We're jumping. When it goes to every overtime, we all get together as a group. We take these pictures. I'm telling you this because this is burned in my brain. I had to drive separately, meet my wife, all our friends. We had 10 tickets. My father-in-law was an avid Bruin guy. We had 50-yard line, 10th row for about a decade. And so we're there in mass with our numbers. I remember this like it was yesterday, but that morning I had to go to Beverly Hills to the Four Seasons to meet with this guy I've never heard of, but his name is Scott Sessa. And he is taking over Marvel Comics. And because I have a big contract, million dollar contract, I have to meet with him to talk over the future. I go to his extravagant suite and his, uh, during this meeting, his giant bags from like Tiffany and all the Beverly Hills uh, uh, shops are coming in on these giant, you know, the the, 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 the the bellmen are bringing all this stuff for his wife. I mean, it's a very rich, expensive suite. Obviously, Scott has got a very rich deal. It was in the trades. Scott Sasa goes to Marvel from TNT. Okay, big deal. I'm going down to meet with him. He wants to meet with me. He wants to uh, discuss what I would, how I see things going Further, because we had had further talks about extending Heroes Reborn. Both Joe King and Jerry Calabrese had flown out to discuss with Jim on the preliminary numbers. Now, let's stop. What preliminary numbers? Those Avengers numbers that haven't been exceeded. And the day they do, I'll just go, I had it for 24 years, but they haven't yet. 1996, to discuss those early numbers, those were looking good. 300 plus thousand on a book that was doing 30. Rob Liefeld, Captain America, was doing 20. Thousand now, Captain America is doing three hundred thousand. They're all doing roughly the same, okay? But uh, the, the Avengers is is the best performance, okay? So that's why these numbers got eyeballs. They come out and they say we'd like to discuss year two with you. Oh man, issues one haven't hit yet, but we are talking about extending this and doing year two. Year two, they say uh, we've talked to Jim. He's got some ideas. He's, uh, he's thinking of doing a Marvel two-in-one book, maybe a Silver Surfer book. What would you want? Well, I know my guy, Stephen Platt, would want to do The Punisher. So, and then I felt we could do a really cool take on Daredevil, not Frank Miller's Daredevil. We were going to do a teenage Matt Murdock, uh, basically 16 years old, trained by S.H.I.E.L.D., like this killer new take on Daredevil. Dan Frega did a killer uh, Daredevil one shot, one, one piece, one illustration for us. Cause, cause once we were asked to do this, we moved on it. And, uh, I'll have to find Stephen did a really cool shot of the Punisher. Dan did a great shot of this kid Daredevil. Again, he's 16 years old. Does not look, he does not, he, he wears like the, the scarf over his eyes. It's cool. It was really cool. Dan did a great job. Oh my gosh. What we could have done with this. So we wanted to, that, that's, that's what I felt felt would felt feel right for us. There was talk of maybe Ghost Rider from Jim's end, but I definitely remember a Marvel two-in-one book, which became a guest star vehicle, which is a great book. I loved it as a kid, but it made sense since Jim already had the thing on his stable of characters. And then Silver Surfer was something being talked about. That's what I remember. We were talking about extending this year two. Oh my gosh, I'm thrilled. Heroes Reborn is going to be a blast. This is like the ultimate Marvel sandbox for myself and Jim Lee. But then Jerry Calabrese has shown the door. Everything goes silent. I get this new guy, Cheryl Rhodes. But then I go meet with the big boss, Big Scott Sansa. 
I meet Scott Sasso. We uh, exchange pleasantries. I sit on his in his chair in his extravagant suite. And he says, hey, I'm taking over. You know, Marvel's got some issues, you know. And he keeps mentioning I've got a big contract. I said, yeah, just like Jim's. And uh, I then understood that Jim was coming in after me to meet with Scott. He was, uh, you know, meeting with us that same weekend, maybe either right after me or within the same day. I am not really into pitching what I can do for him. This is a whole new regime. This is not the regime that hired me. I am not executive-minded. My The guys that I like to jam with are gone. Jerry has been replaced by Cheryl, and Joe has been replaced by Scott, okay? So I wish I could have told you that I went in there with a head of steam and gusto. I was just feeling Scott out. He was feeling me out. I felt like the end was near, that now, by now, by now, maybe three issues each have come out. Captain America 3 is maybe about to come out. It's November. Because that's the, the, the SC-UCLA game, and it was the most beautiful day in Los Angeles. Oh, my gosh. The most gorgeous weather. The bluest skies. I mean, it, it was just such a great day. That game, SC-UCLA, has always played the week before Thanksgiving or right before Thanksgiving. So this is November. So Captain America 3 is on its way. Avengers is on its way, or they're out. So that's how far in we are at this point. But Scott Sass says, feel me out. It doesn't feel like a relationship that's going to take flight. I don't give... A big pitch. I don't tell him, well, I'd like to do this. I just don't grovel well. I'm not a good groveler. I never have been. People who work with me, they're going to tell you. They're going to reaffirm that. I'm not a groveler. I, I, I did. I'm doing my deal. I'm going to commit. I'm going to finish my story. Stephen Platt is starting on his chapter. And I'm just now hoping that we can get in and out of this as, as, as best as we possibly can. A month goes by. It's, uh, it is. December 26th, it is the day after Christmas, we have family, we have friends over from out of town, we are all watching football games and movies, we got a couple of different TVs rolling, I get a call. Who's calling me at 1 o'clock in the afternoon? Well, it's Scott Sassa. It's the day after Christmas. Hi Scott, what's up? How you doing? Rob, this is Scott, good to hear from you. Rob, I have to inform you as a contracted uh, individual with Marvel Comics because of your contract. Uh, status, I need to inform you that we will be filing bankruptcy tomorrow. You have, uh, by, by, by law, as a contracted partner with Marvel Comics, I have to give you a 24 hour heads up. We will be filing for bankruptcy protection tomorrow. And I'm like, oh boy, oh boy. And I said, okay. I said, well, Scott, I really do appreciate that. Thank you so much. I, I look forward to hearing more about these terms. I clicked the phone. I looked over my shoulder. My wife was like, who's that? And again, I got our friends, Kristen and Jeff, they're all over. We're watching TV. I said, uh, yeah, that's, that's Marvel. They're going bankrupt tomorrow. They're filing for bankruptcy. We're done. But this is, this is, this is, I, I feels like Marvel's hit the iceberg and, uh, pre pretty darn funny considering that a Titanic movie would come out a year later and was all the rage. Um, was supposed to come out that coming Christmas, the, the following Christmas, the following summer. So, I mean, Marvel hit a glacier called bankruptcy. And at that point, I knew everything was going to change. And at that point, I'm like, man, I am so glad I got my fifth issue of Cap done. I just basically, to, 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 to uh, in my own personal artistic interest, it wasn't even money. It was I wanted to finish what I had started with my storyline. Now, the Steven stuff was all kind of up in the air. What am I going to do? But I now know that the terms are going to change. Well, it doesn't take long. It does not take long. And I am about to share with you some awesome, amazing, 
uh, correspondence that I received from Marvel Comics on January 8th, 1997. You thought the Todd letter was good? This one is the best. Um, uh, I faxed this to Jeff Loeb. I, I received it. Certified mail. Certified mail, ma mail. We signed for it. This is from Cheryl Rhodes, my new best friend in the whole world. And it says, Regarding publishing agreement between Rob Liefeld and Marvel Entertainment Group, from December 13, 1995, we signed those contracts in Marvel's offices, had the Stan Lee press conference, December 13, 1995. Rob Liefeld, Extreme Studios, 2248, State College, Fullerton, California. Dear Rob, when we began the project, Heroes Reborn, we all had high hopes that it would generate significantly high sales volume. The, the economics of the program were based on that assumption. Let me read that to you again. When we began the project Heroes Reborn, we all had high hopes that it would be, <laughs> that it would generate significantly high sales volume. The economics of the program were based on that assumption. Unfortunately, the sales volumes have been disappointing, period. Total unit volumes, total unit volume for issues three and four of Captain America are projected to finalize at 200,000 and 190,000 respectively. This is issues three and four. Finalize. That is with newsstand sales, I'm assuming. For Avengers, issues three and four are estimated to be around 210,000 copies and 200,000 copies, okay? So we are doing killer. That Captain America was selling 24,000. Somebody else told me closer to 30, great, whatever. Uh, we quadrupled, we times five, times six did those on the launch. I mean, times 10. I mean, we crushed it. And uh, so here I'm being told that my sales of 200 and, you know, 200,000 and 210,000 are, are below par. We at Marvel, it continues, we at Marvel value your talent and the lift that these books have experienced is not insignificant. However, with the costs involved, this project does not make economic sense at these volume levels. Accordingly, this is to formally notify you that pursuant to paragraph three of the agreement, we are terminating the agreement effective immediately. Okay, there's the third paragraph. If possible, if possible, it is our strong desire to continue our relationship and continue this project, Heroes Reborn, without interruption through issue 12 of both books, but with a cost structure that is more in line with the volume levels that we are seeing now. As soon as possible, I'd like to speak with you about negotiating the terms of a brand new agreement. I have in mind an agreement that includes a significantly higher page rate than our current highest page rate. Marvel's normal incentive program, plus an additional incentive that can allow you to share in the profits of these books if they are lifted higher than our current projections. Okay, that's paragraph three. So your kick-ass sales, m most of which comics don't see since, definitely not now, Cap and the Avengers, their 200,000 range is is disappointing. That, that This is also issues three and four. The drops have already stopped. Because your issue ones drop, okay? Avengers started at 300, now we're at 200,000, okay? On issues three and four, okay? Uh, so we're settling in. That's called settling in. Then, of course, it says we're terminating this. 
then if possible, is our strong desire to continue our relationship and continue the project without interruption through issue 12 of both books. They want us to finish the deal, but at reduced rates. That's what this paragraph is. And then here's the kicker. Please be advised that we have spoken to Jim Lee, and he is willing to accept the reduced rates on your books in the case that you decide against continuing along the terms that we will present to you. Boom! There it is. There it is. Okay? I have been told that the end is near. Heroes Reborn, as fun as it is, um, as successful as it's being, from 24,000 Captain Americas when I was initially hired to uh, now 200,000 routinely. From 30,000 Avengers to 300,000 best-selling ever and now over 200,000. So we are being told this is their exit plan because they're in a bankruptcy now. They are officially in reorganization where they have to prove that they have cut all costs. I'm part of it. I don't take this personally. That last paragraph, though, that is the kicker. Please be advised that we have spoken to Jim Lee and he is willing to accept the reduced rates in case you decide against continuing along these new terms. Okay, there you go. So Heroes Reborn is now kind of all the brakes are screeching and we are at the end. But guess what? I'm going to get those. I'm going to get those issues in. I am going to land this plane. I am going to finish cap six. Beyond that, I'm not certain. But what I do know is I'm not taking the reduced rates. The reduced rates are just part of a now new bossy boots. We've lost control. The control was what I loved, the freedom. The reason you love those books and so many of you have contacted me over the years after these podcasts telling me how much you enjoyed those books. That's because we had 100% freedom. We answered to no one. This was not going to be acceptable to me. I did not enter into one single counter offer or agreement. Jim Lee and I meet roughly around this time. The image thing has been going on for a while. Our attorney, Jim, asks to meet me in his La Jolla, in the lawyer's office in La Jolla that he is personally representing himself. The image attorney is there and the Larry Martyr is in attendance. I go with my sister who is running the business end of my company and my attorney. We all go meet. It is very quick. Jim asks everyone to leave the room after a few pleasantries. It's just me. It's just him. We are sitting across from each other. He says, hey man, look, uh, I don't want this to continue. And uh, I've been given proxy by the other image partners. And uh, there's a bill that's outstanding to the printer of about $16,000. I'm going to put you on the phone with him. You're going to take care of that. You're going to pay that bill. And I am authorized to end this. We are going to unfreeze the money that we froze when you left. Uh, this is a detail I'll get into later on down the line when we deep, 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 deep dive the image uh, divorce me leaving image comics, which Jim said, you know, you got the headlines you wanted, man. All the magazines said you left. Well, that's the truth. I mean, again, the catalog, you cannot change the dates. My thing with the image guys, show me the dates that support your version because my dates are factual, actual. They support everything. So Jim sits there, but where this, this applies to Heroes Reborn is that Jim uh, says, we're going to release the money that is owed to you because I they had uh, sued me. I had countersued them. And then Jim said, I only took those Heroes Reborn books 
because you named me in that lawsuit with all the other partners. And I'm like, yeah, you're a partner and maybe things shouldn't have gotten out of hand with you trying to freeze all the money that I was owed for several months worth of books. But we, right there, I knew this is too good to be true. Jim is basically telling everybody, call off this, all this paperwork, all this legal crap, all this uh, engagement. I, I shook Jim's hand. We agreed. I understood he was taking over the Heroes Reborn books that I was no longer going to pursue. He took them at the reduced rates. Why does this matter? You will see. He calls everybody in. The image attorney and Larry flip out. They raise their voices. This isn't what everybody agreed to. This is this is not what the other image partners are expecting to hear. Jim said, I am the proxy. I was given power of proxy. This is over. Our issues with Rob are over. Great. I'm done. Uh, on the way home, an investor in my company called me up and said, do you want to know why Jim basically went against his partners today and closed the deal and you signed the papers and all that happened? I said, no. He goes, because Jim is trying to sell his company. This is uh, very late 1996. Jim Lee's company is up for sale. And because you named him in a lawsuit, that is scaring off people because nobody wants to buy anything where the guy is being sued. He needed that, he needed that off the books. And with you now taking care of and withdrawing, he is free to go. Um, and I got to be honest, Jim kind of hornswoggled and hood snookered his partners in doing this. Because I was like, oh, 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 what is going on here? And I just knew, sign this document and get the heck out of here and drive home as fast as you can. And we were done and it was over. And the image divorce was fully in the rearview mirror. But now Jim was going to finish the Heroes Reborn stuff and I was going to move on. But not without delivering the last few issues to Marvel, which I do because now I don't even trust Marvel. So they're, they're very fishy. I don't know Cheryl Rhodes. I don't know Scott Sasa. They are in bankruptcy. So, and Dan Frega is going to love this and he knows this. Um, the final issues of Cap and Avengers, the issue sixes, where we say goodbye, where the Rob Liefeld portion of this ends. We had Dan get on a flight with our discs and I said to Dan Frager, he said, I'll do it. I bought Dan a plane ticket. He's now driving, to New, flying to New York. He's going to land. He's going to take a car into the Marvel offices. He's going to go upstairs. He's going to inform them. I have the issue sixes for Captain America and the Avengers. But full payment per this letter needs to be given to Extreme Studios, which is going to be given to me. I am going to go take it to the bank. I'm going to deposit it. And when that goes through and I am cleared, I'm going to give you these discs. When he gets there, I get a phone call. Is this really going on? And what kind of shakedown is this? I go, you guys are in bankruptcy. Uh, things have been funny for weeks. These are the terms. Those books are right there. You owe me that money. Just pay it. I don't want to give you these books and then have to chase this. You're in bankruptcy. Again, you're in bankruptcy. I have never filed bankruptcy. They are in bankruptcy, a corporate bankruptcy. They have creditors. They have people grabbing at their money. Ron Perlman will lose the company. He does not come out with the company. This is, when I got that call, that is the beginning of the end of Ron Perlman. But why you are tuning in today, and this is what we are going to wrap it up here in the next uh, few minutes, is while I am working on, that, that Dan Frank story is great. I, I just need to tell you, that all happened. It happened. They, they gave him the check. He ran to the bank. He put it in. We saw it cleared. We released the the discs. Apparently, Dan went around and talked to all the different editors, showed his portfolio, was planning for the future. Good for him. I think that's great. I think it's wonderful. 
But Dan jumped on that plane. He flew back the next day. He came back to us. He was very excited to be part of the kind of the cloak and dagger operation we put together to make sure that we didn't get screwed as Marvel is um, in their bankruptcy reorganization phase. But what's missing from all this is what has Jim Lee been up to all this time? So here's the deal. The Scott Sasson meeting, you know, the day of the Rose Bowl. I, I forgot to mention, as we're leaving, I said, oh, man, I, I'm, I'm great to meet you. I got to get out of here. I got to get over to the Rose Bowl. I said, it's the SC-UCLA game today. And Scott Sassa on that day said, yeah, I know. And I said, yeah, I just can't wait to just clock clock the Trojans, man. I just can't wait to beat them. I said, uh, did you go to, to one of the schools? He goes, I'm a Trojan. I'm like, this is perfect. I mean, way to stick my entire leg in my mouth. Uh, uh, with this guy, as I exit, as I leave, I tell him that I hope his school is going to get his ass kicked by the Bruins. I, again, this 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 was the writing was on the wall. Well, what I had learned uh, around issue five, prior to the bankruptcy uh, call, Jeff Loeb had we talked late nights. We talked all the time, ten o'clock at night. We're uh, always talking, the excitement going on. And one night, in one of the calls, he slips up. He tells me, "Well, you know, when when Jim is running Marvel Comics, you know, I, I'm pretty sure that we're gonna, you know." have our run of, of books that we want to do. Maybe even you can do some X-Force stuff. I'm like, what? what? Wait, wait, back up, back up, back up. Jim running Marvel Comics. Jeff, uncharacteristically, we have talked every day, maybe twice a day now for six months. He climbs up. Uh, uh, Robert, I, I said, Jeff, what, what did you just say about Jim running Marvel Comics? Uh, I hope I have your attention. This is great. And then Jeff goes, uh, you know, Rob, uh, I gotta go. Uh, I gotta, I gotta hit this deadline for tomorrow. Let's talk tomorrow. And he got really weird and he hung up the phone. And I was like, man, I said to my wife, Oh boy, something's weird. J J Jeff just slipped up. He just said something about Jim running Marvel Comics. So the next morning I get a ding dong at my door at 8 a.m. 8 a.m. Jeff Loeb from the valley drove 90 minutes to be in Orange County to be standing at my doorstep. I go, Jeff, Jeff, what are you doing? He goes, I need to talk to you, pal. I need to talk to you. I said, oh, okay, what's going on? My wife is still sleeping upstairs. I am always up early. I'm like, yeah, come on in here. We, let's sit down in the family room. He comes in. Uh, we, we, we settle in and he's like, look, I drove here because your relationship means a great deal to me and we, we, we've made this great bond and I, I really love working with you and I just need to, it wasn't something I wanted to tell you on the phone and you're right. At this point, and Jeff will attest to this, I pull my shirt up over my nose and mouth, much the way we wear masks right now in the age of COVID. I am covering, and he goes, what are you doing? I go, I'm smiling too much, and I don't want my smile to distract you because I am totally entertained by this. Holy shit. Jeff Loeb just showed up on my door. We are an hour and six minutes into this, and we're just getting to the good stuff. And he's like, I need to talk to you. I need to explain what was going on last night. Jeff then lays out to me that the weekend prior, Ron Perlman, the owner of Marvel Comics, was at the La Jolla offices of Jim Lee and Wildstorm. And it was an, a tour of Jim's facilities in La Jolla with just Ron Perlman and his lieutenants, all hush-hush. Wildstorm was cleaned out. Nobody could come in on the weekend. John Nee, who was running Jim Lee's company, and, uh, and Jim Lee had entertained Ron Perlman and his lieutenants because they had been dealing much unbeknownst to me, to take over Marvel Comics. That Heroes Reborn had just been a uh, back door for Jim to negotiate running the label that he loved so much. And Jeff says to me, 
this is going down. As I understand it, it's very serious. And uh, I'm like, wow. And again, you guys, I don't want to be an executive running a company was not something I ever really envisioned myself doing. I, I definitely ran my company like a clubhouse for better or for worse. Some people will tell you for better. Some people will tell you for worse. Um, I just remember all the good times and all the fun times. I did not want to be an executive. I have not run, quote unquote, a company for over 20 years. I don't ever anticipate running a company ever again. I curated my characters. I created a catalog for myself to manage. That's about it. I'm a creative guy. I do creative stuff. I wanted my Captain Americas, my, my work to be seen, to be completed. But the entire time that Jim is doing what he is doing over on Fantastic Four and doing his books, uh, he is negotiating to run Marvel Comics, and it is about to happen. The trigger is about to get pulled on all of this. Now, I then call Larry Martyr. Larry Martyr has been servicing both of us on this in probably a way that maybe wasn't probably up to snuff with everybody else, but we knew about it, and Jim and I had leaned on Larry. We liked Larry. Larry said he didn't know anything about it. He called Jim. Jim denied it. Jim would then confess that all of this was true a matter of days later, especially when he called Larry Martyr to get, grab a red-eye flight upon which Larry met John Nee, who was running Wildstorm, and Jim Lee in New York, where, according to Larry, and I went over all of this with him in recent days before I took this microphone, to verify all of this. So this, these aren't just these aren't just, um, this isn't just gossip. This is, this is comic book history. Jim Lee was about to get the reins to the company. He was about to be handed Marvel Comics en masse. This is the begin of Jim's, um, what some would say an overreach. Uh, and, and, uh, this is, again, why do you think Jim took those, took those, those comics? You know, he's like, I'll take them. I'll just add them to, to, to what I'm eventually going to be doing in mass. But Jim is looking to be bought, uh, consumed. They would take Wildstorm and he would run Marvel Comics. And Larry Martyr catches a red-eye flight with to meet John Nee and Jim Lee. And they go to, according to Larry, the biggest, swankiest, most impressive executive suites he's ever seen in Manhattan. The best view with Ron Perlman and his business people. And they were hammering out the deals and the terms of which Jim Lee would take over and run Marvel Comics, which would be transported 100% to West Coast Control. Jim would run everything out of La Jolla La Jolla would become Marvel Comics proper, and they would be removed from New York. Now, I don't know why this didn't go down, but it didn't go down. It unraveled. Shortly thereafter, I, I took it as a done deal. Um, I was not flipping out over it. I'm like, this is bigger than me. I'm just going to finish my work and go on with my life and continue telling stories. Again, my Captain America, um, my Avengers will be finished. There is another chapter of this. It's called Awesome Comics. It's called Fighting American. We're going to get to that. Stay tuned. But right now, I am understanding that Jim Lee is going to take over Marvel Comics. Larry Martyr is now pulled into this. Like I said, the trip to New York, the red-eye flight, the negotiations of terms. So here's what I understand. In 2000, at Wizard World 2000 in Chicago, last show of the summer, I am doing uh, four issues of Wolverine for Marvel at the time. They, uh, Steve Scross was doing Wolverine. He got called off uh, uh, to do Matrix 2. And he left Wolverine behind. And they immediately, at, Bob Harris called me and said, Rob, will you fill in for me? I, I need a couple months worth of coverage. And, uh, of course, I'm, I'm doing this. So I'm now actively engaged with Marvel again. Bill Jemis, which has 
taken over as the executive and publisher of Marvel, takes me to lunch. He and I are sitting at lunch in Chicago, and we're talking about the X-Men movie that just came out, the reaction to it, the comics, how they did capitalize it, how they didn't. And then we come up with Jim Lee and how he almost ran DC, uh, almost ran Marvel Comics. And Bill Jemis is chewing on his burger, and his smile gets as big as the Joker's. The biggest shit-eating grin you could possibly imagine. And he says, you know, I killed that, right? I killed that. I was working with Marvel from the trading card company end of things and had a lot of day-to-day business. I got wind of this, and I said, over my dead body, I will do everything in my power to not make this so. And you know what I did, Rob? I took the last half of the Heroes Reborn books when Jim took all of them and handed them to random talent and they weren't terribly special or exciting. And uh, so many of you have told me through social media over 24 years that when I left the book, so did you. And you tried to hang around, but um, whatever, whoever drew those and wrote those were clearly, guys, I looked at a few of them. They were uh, just spinning their wheels. They were just filling in, uh, doing paid gigs. The passion had absolutely left the building because I was the passion. I was the passion. I was the guy that got you your best-selling Avengers of all time. I left, did not ever renegotiate with them on these new terms. I did not want to be part of this new system of control. I took the deal for the deal that I had and any changes to it, I wasn't sticking around for. So I left and I was proud to leave. I announced, I've left. I've been told my books are no longer satisfactory even though they are gazillion times better, but I left. But I knew that when Jim took them over that he would just fill them to get them completed and get whatever reduced rates were offered to me. And by doing that, the quality of the books would go down. And because the quality of the books went down, the interest went down. When the interest goes down, the sales go down. And Bill Jemis took the sales of the back half of Heroes Reborn, which would have been Stephen Platt, okay, which would have been me segueing to Avengers, Instead, you got, I don't even remember who did them, those sagging sales, which had come all the way back down to earth, and he took them and he goes, why are you going to let this guy run the company? That He took over the entire line, and it's back, it's back to being completely unimpressive. These numbers are way below. And he argued, Bill Jemis argued in New York for New York to stay in New York, for Marvel, New York not to move. And when I say New York to stay in New York, I mean New York staff, the New York version of Marvel Comics. And uh, Bill Jemis said I wasn't going to leave until I had squashed that deal, and I squashed it. I killed it. I'm the guy. I'm the guy that killed the Jim Lee runs Marvel Comics. And I'm like, wow, this I did not expect this. You know, now I put everything together, and what I told you in the beginning, that Marvel New York was never going to take this line down. And why should they? I took it as a creative opportunity. I knew it was finite, whether it was 12, whether it was 6. Get in, get out, do the best you can, add to the legacy. The reprinted editions, those are uh, the hardcovers, the soft covers, the back-to-press. I read to you the solicitation last time. Marvel went to the hottest creators. It's a great thing now in your resume. Best-selling Avengers of all time. I don't have that unless I jump on and do this. But uh, I was, as the Eagles would say, already gone. Okay, I was already gone and was not interested in doing this. But behind the scenes, Jim Lee had been negotiating. Ron Perlman flew to La Jolla. Just remember that. In my estimation, Jim never recovered from that. Uh, because Jim met with me to remove all of the legal, you know, back and forth we had gone 
Because when I left Image, they froze my money. They wanted to hurt me. Jeff Loeb can tell you many conversations that Todd, he had with Todd McFarlane. He had never met Todd McFarlane. Todd McFarlane called him repeatedly in the fall of 1996 to try and get him to leave me. And to quote Jeff Loeb, Todd does not want you just damaged. He wants you destitute and out on the street. He wants you penniless. He wants you to pay. Okay, I knew this. There's a Comics Journal interview that Todd gave. Read it. Nothing that I'm saying here will not be completely reflected in that interview. It was a time of bitterness and anger from their end. Jeff Loeb, God bless him, they came to me and said, we want to interview you and run your interview side by side. And he said, Rob, do not get call, called into this fight. Do not get called into this fight. Jeff Loeb gave me the very best advice during this time. I gave the happiest, happiest uh, interview I ever gave. And Jeff just kept saying, when they ask you about Todd's anger, say, I'm sorry that Todd is, has still not gotten over the divorce. I've moved on. Jeff is a great writer. And he gave me great lines. But this Jim Lee, uh, Jim Lee was also leaving Image Comics too. He just hadn't told anybody yet. And I'll get to the part of the story where I call up and inform Image before Jim has told them that he is, in fact, leaving. And that is yet to come because this is so fun to recount. So in retrospect, like I said, New Regime came. Marvel is in bankruptcy. Jim Lee makes his mogul moves as clumsily as he makes them by consuming, by taking that bullshit deal to finance your, you know, wild, wild storm La Jolla rent to keep it afloat. You drop down the entire line of books. People flee from it, and Bill Jemis used that against you to say, you're nothing special. You don't make stuff that matters that any more than we can. We can do this better. Bill Jemis would run Marvel Comics, be at the helm shortly thereafter, and be the guy calling the shots for about four years. This is comic books, people. This is the best time. I am so glad I lived through these times. I love sharing these with you. Uh, Jim would sell his company about a year and a half later. But I already knew that because, as I said, I knew companies Jim was being shopped to because I was being shopped. I shopped around. And I would bump into the same people that were looking at Jim that were looking at me. And eventually the best deal that he could come up with was with DC Comics. And that is, I think everything started with him attempting to take over. I never had any inkling. To this day, I am just so amazed that all of that went down. And even more amazed that Bill Jemis pulled up a chair and argued passionately against it with whichever version of management he spoke to, and that deal was done. And Heroes Reborn was pulled when Jim not only did not take over Marvel Comics, but was not given that second year because there were still murmurings that the second year would go to Jim. Crazy stuff. Heroes Reborn. The saga continues. Be back for the next one. We are so far from done. There are Marvel crossovers that we negotiated. Profit, Cable, Youngblood, X-Force. We haven't even gotten to that stuff. There's even more. We need to talk about Jim's end of the books. Fantastic Four, Iron Man, all that stuff. So much more to discuss. This is an exciting time in comics. Marvel bankruptcy. Jim Lee mogul moves. We covered some bases today. We had a good time. I am on social media at Robert Leipold on Twitter. Blue check mark means it's me, not the phony accounts. On Instagram, at Rob Liefeld. Blue check mark, it's me. Not the phony guys. Talk to me. Share with me. Let's chat. So much more to come. We have just started to peel this orange, people, okay? We're just getting, just getting to the juicy stuff. Stay with me. Thank you for listening. As always, please take care of yourself. Stay safe.
and we will talk again soon.